This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome. This is Football Social Daily. Daily Premier League podcasts covering everything from the top flight of English football. And it's been a long old international break, this one. Two weeks of no Premier League football. And we have one final international to go. England face Poland in tonight's final World Cup qualifier and it's set to be the toughest test for the three Lions out of the trio of games they've had in recent weeks. We're going to be speaking to a Polish journalist called Tomasz Wlodacic in a little bit and getting his view on how the Polish team are expected to perform tonight. We're also cast an eye over England's chances and how they've done so far in the qualifiers. Have we been oppressed enough with Gareth Southgate's team going into the European Championships, which are just round the corner? We'll get onto that shortly. Plus, it is Wednesday, so we're going to be finishing off today's podcast with a selection of your questions. It's AQA day, which means we answer anything you throw in our direction. The AQA section of the podcast coming up shortly. Answering those questions, as usual on a Wednesday, I'm joined by Ian Brennan. How are you doing, Ian? I'm good, yes, thank you. As a Leeds United fan, I'm going to question you on Calvin Phillips later, you know, because he's come in for a lot of stick over the last few weeks. So I think we need to redress the balance and give him some praise. Yeah, I'm trying. I think I've got the uh, I think I've got the answer. Um, I think I think alongside Ian, we've got Matt Pidd, who I imagine, Matt, you're feeling a little bit down this week as a Manchester City fan. The announcement earlier that Sergio Aguero is not going to be wearing sky blue anymore. Yeah, it's like I'm um, mourning the loss of a family member, and I'm not exaggerating there, lads. <laughs> one of the Premier League greats, I think. In fact, that's one of the questions that pops up on the AQAs a little bit later. That is coming up shortly, but first, let's talk to our Polish correspondent for Football Social Daily, Tomasz Wlodacic. T- tell us what we can expect from Poland tonight. They're facing off against England. How are they going to cope with that challenge? Well, obviously the main point before the game is uh, the absence of Robert Lewandowski who suffered the, the, the knee problem against Andorra and we already know after he came back to Munich that the injury is slightly worse than we expected, that he may miss uh, 
one month, four weeks, but uh, from what I know, it should be a little bit uh, shorter, maybe two, maybe three weeks, mm. but, but we, will, we will see. Uh, obviously, it's a huge blow for the, for the England game, but we are also looking for uh, Lewandowski's uh, record of uh, Gerd Miller's Bundesliga 40 goals. So it's obviously at some point important for the football history, let's say. But like taking focus on the on the England game, obviously, we all probably you too looked at the um, Hurricane versus Lewandowski mm. competition. It, it's not going to happen, so we have to cope without our captain. It's it's going to be a problem up front, but of of course. Um, looking at the England squad, it's it's not the main point. I would say, uh, obviously, you, England are the huge favorites of the of the game. You have a brilliant squad, uh, like the depth of the squad. Even if you don't have Rashford, you don't have Saka. Mm-hmm. There's no Trent Alexander-Arnold. There's still so many people that can can uh, do us. Uh, ha- a lot of harm. Uh, no, we have to cope with that. Uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be defensive game on our side. It's mm-hmm. going to be more counter attacking. That uh, what we looked at Hungary and uh, Andorra games when we we tried to put a little bit more pressure on on those sides. Obviously, Andorra was an obvious one, but uh, but Hungary Hungary is uh, quite a good team at the moment. So. We tried a new tactics, we tried a new formation, but I would say the England game is going to be different. We will have to cope with a lot of speed, a lot of technical players, a lot of passing. So there's also need to be uh, a lot of pressure, but I would say a little bit deeper and closer to Wojciech Szczęsny's goal. We will see. I hope for for a draw at least, but I know it's going to be very difficult. And uh, if we get a point from Wembley, it's going to be a success. I need to ask you, and this isn't a football-related question, Thomas. I just need to know where you are. You based in the UK or are you based in Poland? Uh, no, no, I'm based in uh, I'm based in Poland. But uh, I used to study in England for five years, four years. So. Okay. I used to live in Luton. <laughs> it's not okay. a best, it's not the best place to live, but yeah. but yeah. <laughs> I was just curious because I heard the sirens in the background, and the sirens in Poland clearly are exactly the same as the silent sirens in the UK. So I was just I was just interested. But let's focus back on football. You mentioned Lewandowski being injured, um, and I mean undoubtedly he is one of the greats of European football. And I think many of us over here in the UK would have loved to see him play in the Premier League to to kind of judge him for ourselves as to what kind of talent he is. But how do Poland replace that quality? How do they replace those goals in the game tonight? Is that possible? Is there a, is there a more attacking threat in the Polish team than just Lewandowski? Uh, the, the easiest answer would be his uh, irreplaceable, of course, with his goal-scoring record of 66 goals uh, in the national team and obviously another brilliant a year, another brilliant season. He should probably win Ballon d'Or, of course, but it was cancelled. He won the FIFA uh, awards. I don't want to use all those statistics. You probably know it very well. <laughs> so um, he's irreplaceable one to one. But obviously, we have Krzysztof Piątek, we have Arkadiusz Milik, and I think we're going to play those two up front. Milik can go a little bit deeper, and Piątek is 
like a typical number nine striker who can do a lot of good things, but of course he's not Lewandowski. So mm. um, we have to cope with that. Maybe in terms of uh, mentality, it's some kind of uh, a little bit, I would say, plus advantage for the team that, okay, we have to cope without him. But um, Poland, it's not only Lewandowski. We can do uh, good things without our captain. We can uh, go a little bit more up front when he is not in the team. We can show that we have other heroes, that we have other players that um, that, that that can play good football. Of course, uh, when we are talking about strikers, we... We, we, we talk about Milik and Piątek, but uh, in the second line we have obviously Piotr Zieliński from Napoli, who has one of the best seasons of his career at the, uh, in, in Serie A at the moment. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, talking that he may go to to stronger club very soon, although he extended his contract with Napoli, but... Uh, I know that a lot of big clubs are looking at him. There were some talks before he extended his contract with with the Real Madrid. A few years ago, Jurgen Klopp wanted him in Liverpool. Uh, that didn't happen, although he went to Liverpool uh, to see Jurgen Klopp, to see the club. It was like all the mystery. They took him by the, the helicopter from Italy to, to Liverpool to show him the club, but it actually it didn't happen, the, the deal. Uh, didn't go through. He he went to Napoli, but he is a brilliant player. Uh, he is some kind of Kevin De Bruyne, I would say. De Bruyne is a different physicality. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The different in terms of physicality, he's different. But uh, he has a beautiful football vision. He has great technique. So I hope that he's going to show it today at Wembley. We need it. We need players that go into the big shoes of, of Lewandowski. But as I said before, uh, we know what uh, quality England squad has. Although you have your own problems, it's not that uh, big, I would say, because, uh, well, we have one individually, like, world-class player. You have, like, five, four, I would say, world-class players and a lot of, like, quality internationals so uh, yeah it's going to be as I said difficult it's not just the injury of Lewandowski that's obviously caused disruption ahead of this World Cup qualifier but there's been a bit of a Covid problem in the Polish camp as well I believe four players have tested positive over the last 48 hours how's that impacted the preparations for the game it was a little, of, a, a little bit of a mess I would say I think everyone's tired with with Covid obviously around the world, but also in terms of football. Like, it's great that like football play, that we, we have those games that we can actually see, that we can talk about and stuff. That's great. But with all that COVID environment, it's really difficult to cope. Even uh, Polish uh, FA president Zbigniew Bonik said a lot of things about it, that he's already tired with the situation and... We will see how it's going to develop. He's also like in the UEFA executive committee. And I know when I spoke to him that they plan before European Championship to make all the teams uh, vac vaccinated. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, to put like vaccines in, into the team that like, they, they, they don't have tests before, before, uh, before the games. 
that they are protected, that those teams won't be suffering uh, like huge blows just before the game. Uh, so yeah, they they plan to uh, they plan to organize it before European Championships that all the teams uh, gonna get uh, gonna they gonna get those uh, injections and uh, be prepared for uh, European Championships also from that side. But yeah, we had uh, positive tests from Mateusz Klich, who plays in Leeds United. We have positive tests uh, of Łukasz Skorupski. Uh, Kamil Piątkowski and Grzegorz Krychowiak. In terms of the last one, um, it was a big mess because first test was positive, then they made another PCR test and it was negative. So the Polish FA wrote to UEFA to actually allow him to, to play in the game against England. Uh, he didn't went with the team to London, he just joined them around midnight today, around 1 a.m something like that so he's gonna be in the team i think he's gonna play uh, i checked the statistics that Lev the last game when Lewandowski and krichowiak didn't play a single minute in the national team was 13 years ago so probably it did it, it won't happen it's, it's gonna be only Lewandowski who won't play but it would be a major blow as well in the central midfield when krichowiak uh, would be uh, would be a positive test you mentioned the Euros there. Obviously, tonight is a World Cup qualifier, but everyone's attention is on the European Championships at the moment, which are just round the corner. Before I let you go, how are Poland going to cope with the Euros? You've got Slovakia, Spain, Sweden in your group, which you wouldn't call a group of death, but it's certainly going to be a challenge. What would be a good achievement for Poland throughout this tournament? Uh, yeah, as you said, it's going to be it's going to be a little bit of a hassle. It's going to be a difficult one. Uh, the main thing, the, the 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 number one aim to is to qualify from the group. Obviously, we know who are the favorites. It's it's obvious. One, Spain are a great team. They 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 are one of the favorites with England, with France, with Belgium, maybe Germany, but but they are definitely the one of the favorites to to win the competition. So. Uh, it's gonna be like a huge game in terms of getting at least a point but i would say we're gonna fight for the second place with sweden although slovakia showed yesterday that they can cope with quite strong teams like russia they won the the game 2-1 so well when you go to the major competition like european championships there are no like uh, easy games here yeah? you have to be focused on every single game uh, during European Championships in 2016, we showed that we can cope with the big ones like Germany. We we draw 0-0 at Stade de France. We were even close to to win the win the game with uh, Arkadiusz Milik situation. So, yeah, I would say uh, at least qualifying from the group is like a minimum challenge for us. If we won't qualify from the group, it's going to be a disaster. But uh, I would say we're going to qualify and. Uh, from that point, everything can happen uh, in football, as you know. So, uh, yeah, we will see. But we have a nice team. We have a quite strong team. We are, like, I would say, number 10, 10 20 in the world at the moment. So, uh, when you are at that kind of uh, level, you can make a huge um, uh, surprise. But you can also uh, have, like, blow-ups. Uh, mm -hmm 
with Sweden, I would say, or even with uh, with Slovakia. But we will see. And uh, uh, like coming back to your question, like qualifying from the group is a, is a minimum. Thomas, thank you very much for your time on Football Social Daily today. Good luck for the Euros. Less good luck for tonight, but hopefully <laughs> we'll see a well, good game between England and it's, Poland. Uh, it's, you know, it's almost 50 years uh, since 1973, but also <laughs> when I read English press, uh, we all live with this beautiful myth of uh, 1973. I don't know why why it's like that but it's it's a, it's a nice uh, it, it, it's a nice challenge it's always good to play england because you know that kind of games make history so we'll see today hopefully maybe it's going to be a draw <laughs> thomas thanks for your time thank you thank you hopefully to speak to you soon england poland is tonight at wembley we're going to talk about the english side of things to come shortly we'll get ian and matt back involved and see what we expect from gareth southgate and co tonight next on football social daily football social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. We've boxed off Poland. Let's focus quickly on England because obviously that's where our interest is tonight. We've had three qualifiers so far, Matt. I don't know how many you've watched. I'll be honest with you, I watched about 20 minutes of the game. The, I can't remember who the first one was. Who was the first one against? San Marino. So, oh, that's how little interest I have in these World Cup qualifiers. But yeah, I watched same. the first one. I, I wasn't particularly interested. It didn't really feel... I think it's the placement of them coming just before the European Championships that I'm struggling to get excited about. Them. But out of the three, this is the one that feels like a proper game of football, doesn't it? This one is the one that feels like it could be a banana skin. Well, when we looked at the three fixtures, this is the one that jumped out and... Partly down to that was the um, Lewandowski versus Harry Kane thing. Mm. But with Lewandowski being out now, it sort of took the sheen off it a little bit. But um, as obviously Thomas was mentioning before, they still have um, a threat going forward, you know, with um, with Piatek and Milik and um, what's the other lad called? Um, Zielinski, yeah, that's it, Zielinski. Um, he's, he's been awesome this season, Zielinski. He's got eight goals and eight assists for Napoli and... Um, you know, Milik and Piatek have European pedigree amongst themselves, so it's still it's still going to be a tough game for England. Very tough game. Um, we had some decent performances against Albania. Um, you know, Mason Mount was good. Um, Harry Kane, both got to expect them both to start tonight. But it is Albania, isn't it? Um, <laughs> that's the problem. I mean, I've had I, mean, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, that's it is the problem. But you can only play who's in front of your kite, Jim. And if you've got good performances coming off the back of those games, it can only be mm. a plus going into the next one. Um, and Obviously, England having home advantage at Wembley is gonna um, gonna work in our favour as well. Yeah, um, it's the it's the eleven Dusky Kane thing. It, it has sort of. I still will watch the game. Don't get me wrong. It's sort of like took my interest out of it that that little bit. But you know, we've still we've still got some um, some other players that we could see going into the game. I'd, I'd like to say uh, to see Jesse Lingard start tonight, maybe in the midfield. Mm. Um, him or Ward Prowse, maybe um, with Mount and Rice. Rice sat in the uh, defensive position there. Um, we've got obviously Saka out, Rashford out. Maybe Kieran Trippier starting at right back. You know, could, we could we could go in with them. Um, I don't think there'll be too many surprises. I think Gareth Southgate's obviously just going to want to set up to to get the job done. Mm. Um, Phil Foden, obviously, I love Phil Foden. Um, he didn't really show much against Albania. 
Um, I think um, Ian's going to touch on uh, Calvin Phillips as well. He got he got hooked off first, didn't he, against Albania? Um, so it's 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 going to be it's going to be like Thomas was saying, um, a defensive probably performance from from. Uh, from Poland tonight, so England are just going to have to set up to just um, try and stifle Poland, uh, Poland in whatever way they can, um, just get the job done, and um, yeah, that'll be it then, and then we can start focusing on the Premier League again. <laughs> Do you think that's going to be the case, Ian, here? Do you think there's going to be, because Southgate shuffled the pack a little bit over the last few games, obviously there are games that England have needed to win, but he has tried out a few new players, a, new, new, a few new faces, he has rotated a little bit, because we're at a stage of the season where players are getting very tired, and he wants to keep them a little bit fresh going into the Euros, but this game is, as I said, it's potentially the more challenging one, so do you think tonight we're going to see again a shuffle of the pack, a, a maybe a, a slight change here and there or is this going to be to the best of his ability Southgate playing the team that probably will take us into the Euros his best 11 if you like yeah I think that if he's going to um, try out anything in terms of what his likely formation and likely team is going to be for one of the competitive games uh, for the, the European Championships when they start then this qualifier is it because as we've mentioned the, the opposition that we've come up against and are going to come up against are probably not as as uh, up to the, the same sort of standard as, as Poland are I think it will be a very tricky game quite a tough game um, and it'd be a real sort of test I think but that said England should have uh, plenty still in the tank to, to overcome Poland tonight you would think but I think Lewandowski being out is is a big bonus for England because mm. I think he's the only real sort of world-class player that Poland have in their team the rest of uh, and whilst they're good players you know they're uh, that, that you know England, the England team like for like should should certainly be stronger but then that said of course he hasn't got a full an absolutely full squad to pick from has he so I think there will be differences between the squad tonight even if he plays his strongest squad available that he's got there in the hotel as we speak right now um, it'll be different from the the, the final lineup if everybody's fit come the uh, the European Championships in uh, in June. So, hmm. yeah, I think it will be um, a shuffle of the pack, but I think it'll be his, his strongest lineup that he can lay his hands on for the task tonight just to see how they go. Because, as I say, there's not many, there's not many sort of uh, acid tests that, to go through between now and then, is there? Calvin Phillips is one of those players that's actually going to be missing. We talked about him at the top of the show because... There was a lot of debate amongst England fans earlier in the week as to why Calvin Phillips was in that England team. The general consensus amongst anyone who doesn't support Leeds would appear to be that he shouldn't be in the England squad. And I've got to say, I don't really understand the the hype around Calvin Phillips. I think he looks very good in Leeds United's team, but at the same time, I think Leeds United's team is a bit bereft of quality at times. It's one of those situations where they're better than the sum of their parts. And I think Calvin Phillips really shines in that. So I'm interested to hear the Yorkshire view. From a Leeds fan, do you think Calvin Phillips deserves that place in the England team and in a situation where everyone's fit where you've got Declan Rice and uh, Henderson as well do you think he still makes it into it do you expect to see him at the Euros uh, yes I think it would be criminal if, if he wasn't in the England team based on what he does week in week out and of course if you're not watching Leeds week in week out and you haven't watched Leeds week in week out for the last two years or so then you won't know what Calvin Phillips does because he's certainly not doing what he does week in week out when he's playing for the England team and watching mm. it thinking what the hell is Calvin Phillips doing playing on the wing and that's that's your main issue Calvin Phillips is like the crucial pivot in the Leeds team in that when he's not playing for Leeds 
Leeds are all over the shop. He keeps everything calm. He mm. uh, sets everything up. He runs the show. Leeds, when Leeds have had a sticky patch, when they've had these streaks of three or four matches where they haven't been winning or whatever, they're getting turned over big time, it's when Calvin Phillips hasn't been there more often than not, apart from maybe one or two games. And I think those one or two games involve Newcastle. So go figure. All right. So um, he plays... Um, Leeds play a formation that's like 4-1-4-1 usually mm. and he sits right in between the defensive line and the midfield line and the way well, he that, drops back into that defence, doesn't yeah. he? When the, when the fullbacks go forward, he drops back from a former back three. Exactly, and and likewise going forward. So he he drops into all, as you mentioned, drops into these various positions. But what he also does is he plays a bit like um, I don't know how familiar you are with with NFL, but he's, he's a bit like a quarterback in that mm. he gets the ball all the way back straight from the defence. The the midfielders will will make a run like Jack Harrison or whatever will make a run down the wing and he'll ping the ball perfect accuracy to to one of the wingers whether that's um, you know Rafinha or Harrison or whatever and, and that's where the moves quite often come from and he's, he's set up so many moves but when he's playing for England he's playing in a, a midfield of say maybe two or three I mean the, Mason Mount uh, sorry not Mason Mount um, Declan Rice has probably been playing more um, in his position and I think people are looking at Calvin Phillips and saying why is he not attacking why is he not doing stuff why is he not shooting he's not that kind of midfielder he's a, he's a defensive midfielder and he's very good at it but he needs to play right in the middle um, mm. in front of the defence that's his perfect place and he's never but if that's the case Ian then you don't take him to the England team because if he needs to play in that position then you're talking about England changing the way they play. And with the utmost respect to Calvin Phillips, he isn't the type of player that you change a system around if you're England, because there's more important players. He's probably... You pick players to play the system rather than picking the system to fit the players, don't you? Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, But but I suppose at the same time, there's an element of... uh, he, he probably can play in other positions. I think with the likes of Declan Rice being in, in the team and, and Jordan Henderson when he's fit as well, he's probably been muscled out of, of his best place. I think that it was Roy Keane compared him and said that he could see him as a, a Jordan Henderson in future when Jordan Henderson you know, is, mm. is sort of runs out of steam. So maybe that's probably war where, where he's at. Maybe he's just a bit early for him yet. Um, he is still relatively quite young um, and... You know he has got great experience, of course, playing with Bielsa. But Bielsa's team is is not the England team, as you say. So um, he is a very, very good midfielder. And I think for people who have been saying, "Why is he not shooting?" Well, he doesn't shoot. That's that's not his role. He does sometimes, but it's not his main gig. He's a defensive mm-hmm. midfielder. He's a very good one. England have an embarrassment of riches, and um, it's very hard to fit him in alongside um, Declan Rice, Mason Mount, Jordan Henderson, et al. Um, in the current time but do you take him you know what if Declan Rice goes down Jordan Henderson goes down maybe Southgate loves Eric Dyer though doesn't he inexplicably for some reason (laughs) so Eric Dyer will be there so we'll be able to slot into that he won't be playing tonight of course he is injured for tonight's game against Poland we'll have a full review of that game on tomorrow's Football Social Daily podcast right we're going to answer your questions next it is Wednesday so it's AQA day any question answered next on Football Social Daily Football Social Daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk the latest Premier League news for your team just ask Open Sport Social Welcome back to Football Social Daily we're tackling your questions now Matt Ian are you ready for these? 
Oh, yes. Uh, we'll give it a go. Thank you very much for sending them in. Keep them coming, by the way. Every single Wednesday, we dip into social media, answer your questions. You can find us on The Sports Social on Twitter, Sports Social Official on Instagram. You can search The Sports Social on Facebook and find us there as well. Or you can get in touch via the website, sport-social.co.uk, where you can also find the latest news on your team. Let's kick off with Raul Sundar on Twitter, who asks a very topical question. Should footballers leave social media like Henri did until social media companies do anything about it. They can block copyright videos but can't remove the replies. Ultimately, what Roll's talking about is the recent and growing um, fuss around abuse that players and other people to a certain extent receive on social media as well. Terry Henry announced earlier this week he was removing himself from the platform because as a kind of stand against the abuse uh, and a lot of it's racial abuse that players receive via social media. So should this be something that all footballers do, Matt? Should it be a case of downing tools and moving on until Twitter and the likes go, well, we're going to tackle this head on? I mean, what else What else can be done other than that? If that's what's going to make these social media companies take notice, then yeah, of course. Unfortunately, it shouldn't have to come to this, but this is the the moment in time we're in now. I mean, we're speaking about videos getting copyrighted there. I mean, I posted a video of Aguero's goal against QPR on Instagram, and they took it off it's like within, within mm-hmm. seconds because it was infringing um, Sky Sports copyrighting. And yet, but people can go on social media and say vile, abusive, racist things towards people on these accounts that they can they can just basically create off the top of the red. All you have to do is create a fake email address and then create a fake account and you're there again. So maybe the social media companies also need to look at making people have some form of um, like formal identification to create a social media account, i.e. maybe a um, a national insurance number or something like that. Just Just something that you can basically say that is that person and that is your account and that is... You know, it's your responsibility. Mm. If you post vile, racist, homophobic, gender, whatever uh, things on social media, you are held accountable for that and you will be punished by whatever means necessary. Too many people nowadays can hide behind um, phone screens and keyboards and stuff like that and say these things and not have any any form of like repercussions or anything like that. So they can just do it until the heart's content. And the sad thing is that it makes these people happy knowing that they're upsetting people and uh, ruining people's days. It's a very big thing nowadays. If you say one wrong thing to someone on social media, it can have a massive impact on them, whether the footballers are not. Mm. So social media... Companies... As we saw it with Claude from, Aston, uh, yeah. from uh, Arsenal TV recently. I mean, we don't exactly know what happened there, but we know that he was the victim of some vile abuse on social media. Oh, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And, and, and like you just said, then we don't know what the exact you know cause of that is. But you know, it is it is quite possible. It could be something to do with that. People have. It's not just footballers. It's celebrities and stuff like that. They get invaded and they get these people saying these vile, horrible things, and it can make them do the most drastic thing possible. And then that's the loss of someone's life. Then over what? people saying things over social media to them. No, social media companies are far too lax on it nowadays, Jim, and it, it, it really does grind my gears when I do I do see it. I see it a lot on Twitter, see it a lot on Instagram, and I just think to myself, you know, how can you sit there and think that this is okay? How can you mm. sit there and let people get away with this? It's it's happening far too much now nowadays for my liking, and I think social media companies do need to stand up now and say, look, this is the way it needs to be, and you can't do this anymore. It's not on. I think the sentiment in what Rawl is saying and what you say, Matt, is 100% right, that social media companies do need to do something about it. But 
ultimately, Ian, this isn't a football issue. And I don't want to kind of wash my hands of it and say this is someone else's problem. But I can put, for one, I can't see football as a sport going, right, we're leaving social media alone for the long term until this problem's solved. Because I think they have too much of a vested interest in having presences on social media. But it's more than just football. It's a bigger thing than just the sport taking a stand. It's everyone who uses social media that needs to take a stand for there to be real change, isn't it? Yeah, I think, you know... Thierry Henry saying he's not going to be on Facebook anymore. I don't think it's going to send shockwaves through uh, Silicon Valley uh, with, the, with the best <laughs> will in the world. Um, we've had the symbol of solidarity for Black Lives Matters um, before the Premier League matches now for, for, for a long time. And it's right that that continues because it is an issue that um, needs to be remembered often, every time. And, 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 Work is going on and we're still seeing work even at the government level, even this week on it, but it's not unfortunately fixed and it's a long way from being fixed. It's a societal problem in the world, the whole world. And we can sort it out in this country. We can sort it out in this country. You can sort it out in America, but then you've got so many countries where it's far from being sorted out and there are rules uh, being brought in as we speak in certain parts of the world that are quite the opposite unfortunately and it is a world problem that um a couple of footballers or even hundreds of footballers taking a stand isn't going to fix it's a it's it, you know it is the it's as big a problem as as the health issues that we're facing in the world right mm-hmm. now if not bigger in in terms of how hard it is to get rid of it unfortunately unfortunately i don't think we're ever going to live in a world in our lifetimes where it completely goes away i don't think it will because there are so many countries in the world where it's the norm that's a, um, it's a heavy start to AQA today, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but 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 at the same time, at the same time, if you're a verified um, superstar for the likes of most of the footballers that we know, um, you can. I'm, I'm not, and this is not saying you should bury your head in the sand, but there are ways that with the various platforms that you can restrict. Um, both the words that are used in replies and indeed restrict replies mm. to stop people from being able to do it in the first place. I think if you if you take the platform away from them, that's the only way you can do it. And you can do that as as the individual. They can block replies from even being a a, a thing. Um, you know, while ever people have got a computer or a phone in their hand, somewhere in the world, there's always going to be some idiot. Thank you very much for your question, Roll. I'll be honest with you, I prefer the ones about... Funny footballers' haircuts, but it is any question. Yeah, answers. Me too. <laughs> we answer any question. That's one of the questions that come in. Uh, it's, it's something you need to talk about, though. Yeah, very Absolutely. much so. It's an important issue. Uh, we'll move on to something a little bit lighter. Enlac on Instagram has been in touch. You'll like this one, Matt. He says, With Aguero leaving Manchester City at the end of the season, oh. who are your top three Premier League strikers ever? That's a well, good question. Who are you it's, a great, it's, a, it's a great question because there's been so many great Premier League strikers down the years. Um, obviously, Aguero's going to be my number one. <laughs> let's, <laughs> just go, let's just go with that one straight away for obvious reasons. Best foreign so import. Oh, I, I almost said best foreign import, Aguero, then. South American. South American, absolutely. But, I mean... South, but, yeah, I'd say so. Are we classing Henri as a striker? That would be a big uh, question for me. Um, well, if you look at Henri, the, the goals he scored, the way he played, he always played sent, off the left, generally. Yeah. Yeah. He was never a centre forward, was he? he? Didn't score many headers. I think he only scored like three headers in his career or something like that. Um, so if we're talking about centre forwards like slash strikers like Aguero, 
Um, I'd have to take Thierry Henry out of that. Sorry, Thierry, because um, <laughs> you're not classed as a, a striker generalist. So, it's all right. He's not on Twitter. He won't notice. He'll never hear about this. He won't. No, he won't. No, he won't. Um, so if we're talking centre-forwards, Alan Shearer. Alan Shearer mm. is um, his, his volume of goals, like the different types of goals he scored. He scored the absolute like, thunder. Um, he scored the headers, the penalties. He scored all sorts. And he obviously holds the um, the record for the most goals in Premier League history. And um, God, the third one. It's a toss up between two people, and they both actually um, they both played for a club that I've grown up to actually loathe, Manchester United. Um, I'm gonna go with Rude Van Nistelrooy. Oh, yeah. Right, Rude Van Nistelrooy was your fox in the box. I don't think he scored a goal outside the box for Man United in his Premier League career. He was such a predator. He knew where to be at the right place at the right time, and he also scored one of my favourite ever. Premier League goals. It was against Fulham. I think it was back in uh, 2003. He was on the halfway line. And I didn't know Reed Van Nistelrooy had pace up until this point. And it, it actually, looking back at it now, it should have been given as a foul because he, he elbowed Legwinski on the halfway line. And then he just stormed through Fulham's midfield defence. And he sort of took the ball into the box. And he took a shot and did a, a, like a swivel to the left all in one movement. And it left everyone absolutely dumbfounded. And it's, also, it's always been one of my favourite mm. Premier League goals of all time. Even though he played for Manchester United, I can appreciate... And he scored goals against City as well. A lot of goals, probably. Um, I can appreciate him as a striker. So, yeah, I'm going to go with, in terms of strikers, Aguero, Shearer, Van Nistelrooy. Manchester United have had some quality strikers down the years when you think about it. They had Robin Van Persie, although at the tail end of his career, Teddy Sheringham, Andy, Andy Cole Paul. and Dwight York, yeah, playing together. Eric Cantona, how can we forget him when we're talking about the best strikers ever to play in the Premier League? But Ian, who are you picking? Who are your top three? I was going to go with Cantona, number one, actually. Uh, mm. You just uh, mentioned him there. Of course, um, Howard Wilkinson um, brought him over first um, from, from France. He was a loose cannon. He'd been kicked out of the French national team for, uh, for something or other. Probably having a fight. I think it might have been, um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and it brought him over to Leeds, of course, and uh, and Leeds um, had that great year, won the um, won the championship, the final ever championship before the uh, the Premier League began, began, and um, and then after that season, um, makes his way for was it a million quid to uh, to, to Man United, which even then was a decent, you know, that was a that was a, a snip even then. Um, but for a million quid, they got Eric Cantona. The rest is history. And uh, I went to a, um, it must have been about 1991, 1992 kind of time. Uh, I went to a, um, a a Leeds versus Man United match. And oh, that was tasty. And I was I was sat, I think it was like the second row behind one of the goals. And Eric Cantona um, had a shot. It, it, it narrowly missed, but then he sort of stood as he used to do sort of almost just staring out the uh, the, the crowd and uh, somebody behind threw a cheeseburger at him. I vividly <laughs> remember that. I'd also I'd also chip in there. Uh, How did you know it was a cheeseburger? Well, well I, I could, the flight. I, could see, I could see the cheese hanging out the side of it. I'm surprised flight, I didn't okay. pick it up. I'm surprised I didn't pick it up, take a bite and throw it back because that's the kind of thing you'd expect him to do. Um, I'd also um, mentioned a, a, as well another Man United um, player. I mean, Andy Cole has uh, has been a a, a solid um a solid player for for Man United. He was a great striker. Took his chances whenever whenever he got them. Um, and a, and another one for Leeds, which um, when you when you look at goals to games, he wasn't in the Premier League very long, well, or in the first division. I think it might have been slightly pre Premier League. But Tony Yaboa, 
who um, whenever whenever they dig out uh, uh, the, the footage of uh, the archive footage of Leeds scoring a goal, it's always that clip where he uh, let rip this absolute peach uh, went slamming into the top corner. He scored 32 goals in 66 games and then uh, disappeared, never to be seen again. Is that the one <laughs> against Wimbledon? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the crossbarring in. Oh, what? Yeah, oh, that, it, that it was, was a, an absolute rocket. Um, but that, that's the one that always makes the highlights real. But yeah, he's not 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 the greatest over. Do you know? Do you know who the actual three? There's only three players who have uh, who've scored more than Aguero, and they're all English. I know, I've been waiting for the stat, Ian. Here comes oh, the stat. Go. go on. What are we going for? There are only three players better than Aguero, uh, and it is Andy Cole, Wayne Rooney, and Alan Shearer. Yeah, some pretty decent company to be in there for Aguero and some <laughs> big names from the past as well. But let's focus with the very final question towards the future, because the final question comes from Helen Peters on Twitter, who says, who are you looking at for your team as a top summer target? So we've got Leeds United, we've got West Ham, my team, we've got Man City, your team, Matt. I guess for Man City, it's got to be an Aguero replacement, hasn't it? Absolutely. And there's only one man I want to see um, replace Aguero, and that's Erling Haaland. But there's there's a there's a few um, potential like stopping things in that. Um, City don't really want to deal with his agent, mm. Raiola. Um, yeah, City just don't don't like him whatsoever. There'll be his wage demands. There'll be the transfer fee from Dortmund, probably. So they could be the only things that stop it. But with his dad playing for City, captain in City, and then being in City kits as a kid, going to City games, you know, maybe you know the stars will align and he will just end up at the uh, his boyhood club, as it mm. were. Um, I can't think of any other sort of. I mean, there's Martinez. Um, there's been talks of Lukaku, Harry Kane, even Danny Ings. No, I will. I will ball my eyes out if we replace. Uh, Sergio Aguero with Danny Ings, and that is no, that is not. That is, sorry, Danny Ings. Sorry, Danny Ings. But I'm, I'm, I'm afraid you're a great striker, fantastic striker, but you're not fit to replace Sergio Aguero at Manchester City. I'm sorry, as much as you are a good centre forward, and you know you, you've you've proven to uh, to be a decent striker for Southampton. No, Danny Ings, you're not going to replace Sergio Aguero at Manchester City. I hope anyway. Um, that Erling Haaland's the only one for me. But like I said, there's there's some. Um, there's some potential um, problems in there. Here's my theory with Manchester City's Aguero replacement. I think it's done. I don't think they would have let Aguero yeah. make the announcement he was made if they didn't have yeah. the line, the replacement lined up. And that's why I don't think it's Haaland, because I think that deal feels like it's still a long way to go. And because of the way his agent operates, they'll want to take that one down to the line and develop some kind of bidding war over the summer. So I don't think that's the option. I do think Harry Kane's recent statements are really interesting about how he's going to decide his future after the European Championships. And I think that's an indication that he is looking for a move and potentially that move is already done. So I think I think there's a good chance we might see Harry Kane wearing a Man City shirt. I mean, the only, th- the only, the only thing that I th- could stop that, Jim, is his injury record and his age. And Man City love what, a crook, don't they? Are <laughs> That's what I mean. We've 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 already got Aguero, who's been um, you know been injury prone over his ten years at City. So are they going to go for someone who's aging, mm. who's also injury prone? Or are they going to look for um, a young striker who's got years ahead of him and who can be developed into one of the world's best, if not the world's best? There's also Mbappe as well, but Mbappe is going to come with a lot of baggage as well mm. in terms of his wages and his transfer the transfer demands. But it is going to be an interesting summer for uh, for Manchester City, even though Aguero's leaving. You know, it's going to be a it's going to be an exciting. What about Leeds time. United then, Ian? Because a lot of Leeds fans are saying that 
the whole team needs a little boost here and there. A lot of new players need to come in in the summer. But if you were going to pick one place to strengthen, where do you strengthen? And who is it that you look to bring in? Yeah, I think um, we're going to see quite a few signings, I think, for Leeds um, in the in the summer. I think it's going to be the final sort of dismantling of, of the bulk of that championship team, which has done well so far. But I think Leeds wanting to, to kick on and, and kick up the uh, the Premier League table rather than sort of keep keep going what they've got and inevitably end up uh, in a relegation dogfight is, is what they're trying to avoid. Um, Leeds, I think, um, I'm not sure if, if midfield is the area, the number one area that they would go to strengthen. Um, they were looking at Rodrigo de Paul from Udinese last time. A lot of Leeds fans would like to see him sign, but I think in reality it will be in defence where Leeds are mm. looking to um, really strengthen things up and tighten that leaky defence up because they're all right scoring goals. The problem is they, they let in as many as they score, uh, which is why Leeds are bang in the middle of the table at the minute. Um, one defender who has been um, earmarked, um, and I think West Ham are also interested as well, um, Omar Colley from Sampdoria mm. um, is in Leeds' sights. Um, he's apparently a pretty decent uh, player, and um, as I say, there's going to be quite a bit of competition for him, it seems. But, but I think with Leeds, though, you just... You can't second guess them. They've got such a good network. Um, if Victor Orta, who's the, the 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 sort of chief scout, if you like, and, and and goes and finds these players, has got such a wide net all across Europe that these players come in like Rafinha was a deadline day signing after another um, um, another signing sort of collapsed a little bit due to a failed medical, and and it was like Rafinha, who, who's this? Who's this? You know, and it was like, oh, because it's nobody, anybody's ever heard of. He was uh, instantly terrible. But obviously, that's worked out to be pretty, uh, mm. a pretty astute signing. So, um, I think it'll be probably be somebody we've never heard of, but actually <laughs> turns out to be really good. Rafinha uh, is one so of them. Very... Ruben Diaz as well mm. was one of them. Ruben Diaz when we signed yeah. him, I was like, who's he? And look at him, he's turned Man City. Exactly. Season. I think I think if we know of these players, they're probably um, they're probably too well known. If you know what I mean. I think yeah. they're looking further in the uh, in the bushes of football. Uh, that we don't know exist. In the bushes of football, that's a good phrase, I like that. (laughs) Uh, What about Bamford? Has it been accepted that he can perform in the Premier League now? Um, I think so far, um, I don't know. I don't know. I think, again, he's... he's, I, I really couldn't. I really couldn't call it because Bielsa loves him because he gives more than just scoring the goals. Yeah. Um, I think it would be a very, very um, uh, big signing for whoever did come in to replace Bamford if they were to do that. They have looked at other strikers, but they've just never. Even when they've had them on loan, they've never done the same job generally around the team. So, um, who knows? Um, but mm. I think Bamford. You know, uh, on the verge of the England team, uh, really, he's not made it and he's not going to make it into the Euros, clearly. But all the stats stack up. You know, he is he is doing a, as, as good a job as, as Harry Kane, almost, uh, when it comes to actually scoring. It'd be interesting to see what it'd be like with a, with a, with a team that, that set up more more stuff for him. But he's just a little bit too... Uh, his final finishing is just not quite clinical enough. That's all it is. I think for my lot, for West Ham, it's got to be up front where we strengthen this summer. And uh, there's depth needed all over the pitch. And I think that's the real, the real problem. I'm reasonably happy with the first 11, more happy with the first 11 than I have been for a while at West Ham. Maybe we need a left back, could strengthen there. But ultimately, it's the depth below that 11 that needs a little bit of 
quality, if you like. But I think up front, we desperately need some cover for Antonio, who I still don't think is an out-and-out striker. I'm not entirely convinced it's his best position. And the player that I really like, and I think is within the means of West Ham to go and get, is the Slavia Prague teenager, Abdallah Sima who scored, I don't know how many he scored now, but a few weeks ago he'd scored 13 for Slavia Prague. We've done business with that club before, bringing in Thomas Suchek and Kufal as well. So there's already a relationship and I really fancy him as a player. He's been dubbed the new Henri. And I love it how players are, who show any kind of ability are always dubbed the new someone, aren't they? No pressure, kid. No, I think yeah, uh, yeah. With, with, with West Ham, I think it's going to depend. If, if they finish in European places, Jim, which is still a, poss- a possibility, mm. you can attract better players, can't you? If you get into, yeah. into, into European football, you're going to attract better players and there's going to be more money to spend. So hopefully, I've listen, I, I've got, um, you find with a lot of City fans, their second Premier League team is, is West Ham and they are for me. So I, I want West Ham to do as well as possible and um, for you to, um, to get some decent signings in and push mm. on next season. Absolutely terrible record of signing strikers though, West Ham. Absolutely awful. We've signed so many in, over the last decade and so few have actually worked out with the exception of um, probably Arnautovic. He's probably the one quality sh- attacking signing that has been made by my club over the last decade and that didn't particularly go well at the end of it so hopefully finally they can get it right in the transfer markets that is it for today's football social daily thanks Ian thank you Matt Cheers, and thank you for listening uh, there'll be another podcast tomorrow we'll be here right the way across the bank holiday weekend as well when the Premier League returns so make sure you click subscribe or follow as you have to now on iTunes uh, make sure you click that and you'll get the next episode as soon as it's ready we'll see you next time for another Football Social Daily Football Social Daily from Sports Social find us on Instagram at Sports Social Official Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.